food. What's your favorite food? What's your go-to recipe? What we eat affects how we feel. And food really should make us feel good as it tastes great, nourishes our body, but also is a very social experience. Unfortunately, and this is a really sad statistic, according to Body Image Stats 2022, one in two of us struggle with body shame and guilt in relation to how much we eat and what we should eat. And you know what? Upon reflection, I'm not an exception here. With all the external messages speaking about how we should look like, what we should eat, I also experience lots of unpleasant feeling concerned with food. And recently even more, because we are preparing for our wedding that was rescheduled from 2019. And guess what? I'm anxious I'm not going to fit in my wedding dress. So with all of those unpleasant feelings concerned with food, in this episode, I have invited Emma Townsend, who is a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. Emma has a very strong passion in supporting us to heal from stressful relationship with food so that we can experience more happiness in life. In this episode, Joy of Food and Happiness, Emma is going to share with us how we can rediscover the joy of food again. I'm your host, Claudia Mitura, work psychologist and learning and development specialist, and this is End Happiness, a quest to explore the bold question, what makes us happy? I hope you will enjoy this episode of Joy of food and happiness and remember for all the goodies connected with the show just sign up for and happiness pod letter on andhappiness.co.uk welcome to joy of food and happiness with emma thompson Hi, Emma. Welcome to End Happiness. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited because we are speaking about one of my favorite topics ever, and that is food. Oh, I'm so excited that, that you are so excited by food, because I certainly am as well. And that's why I, think why I chose this career to help people to get more pleasure and happiness from food. Brilliant. So let's start with overview. How do relationships with food that we have impact our happiness? What have you noticed from your own practice? Our relationship with food can impact our happiness in a few ways, really. The first way is that on a really basic level, food is is one of our basic needs. And our body aims to satisfy our most basic needs before it can have the headspace to really engage in all of the like higher functioning areas of life. So if we're not getting enough food or we're not eating regularly or finding satisfaction in our eating, then we'll keep thinking about food and our mood will be affected. We might become irritable and just have less headspace for all of the other areas of life that make us happy. But Food also plays a direct role in, in more than just providing nutrients to our body. So it also plays a big role in our culture and our social life. So if food feels stressful, then our ability to engage in these other activities and have these other experiences that bring us happiness are probably going to feel stressful um, and not as rewarding. 
And then also food itself is supposed to be pleasurable. So the eating experience, the taste, the flavors, um, they all bring us joy as well. And of course, not every single eating experience is going to be really joyful. It's normal that food is just a part of self-care. But if we're actively denying ourselves this pleasure from eating and choosing food, say, based on like, I should have that rather than what will really hit the spot in the moment, then we're also denying ourselves that basic pleasure from food as well. Oh, very interesting. We need food to sustain ourselves. If we're not having enough food or the right amount of food, then unfortunately, that will be impacting our daily functioning. But very interesting point about that should aspect, isn't it? Because I guess depending what experiences and what example was given to us during our early years, and then depending on what kind of society or network we are living in, then we would have very different concepts about what I should eat. And sometimes they might be quite contradictory. So this is really interesting aspect that you saying that those shoots could alter our joy of food. Why is that? Definitely what we feel we should eat can change all the time and the messages around us can change and that can change depending on just like our culture and the people we're around. So if we're eating something because we feel that we should eat it, that's generally because of these outside messages that we have. We're following these kind of rules around food to dictate what we should be eating. But that's probably going to contradict with what our body is actually saying that it wants or that it feels like what's actually going to satisfy it. And when I work with clients, we look at finding that connection with our body first so that our body can be our number one guide. And of course, our outside knowledge, this knowledge we have about food, that can play a role, but that should always support us. So it shouldn't be that we deny ourselves foods that are satisfying because, oh no, I shouldn't eat that, I should eat something else. It's that we find that balance between listening to our body, what's going to satisfy us, as well as using outside knowledge and messages to to support our body to feel the best it can. I'm thinking, okay, can I trust my body to tell me what it wants? Like immediately, because I guess what about all those cravings that we have that we just know logically that mm, that is not so good for us, that is not so good for our body, but yet we're craving it. We're craving sugar, we're craving salty snacks, we're craving fatty foods. And it's like, well, but everywhere around we go, Their concept is, no, 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 you shouldn't be eating this. You should swap for healthy snacks. You should really have more balanced diet. So I guess how much we can trust our body then in those cravings? What we find is that when we are trying to avoid foods, so when we have these kind of black and white rules around food, like good and bad foods, healthy and unhealthy foods, even if we're thinking, oh, I can have this, but only small amounts, only in moderation, only at certain times, this can actually lead us to, to hyper-focus on these foods and to want them even more. This is one way that we, we might feel that we're craving these foods all the time. We also need to tune in with our body and see if we're actually listening to all of its sensations and the messages it's sending us. So our body sends us messages about things like hunger and fullness and even our emotions through sensations in our body. If we're a bit out of touch with these or maybe we're actively ignoring them, Uh, We might be getting to the more extreme end of hunger rather than just the, I guess, more milder type of hunger. And it's really natural in that more extreme end of hunger to then be craving these more calorie dense foods. That's a normal response from our body. Or it could be that we're feeling these emotions and we're kind of tuned out of them or trying to push them away. And our body is then craving comfort 
which is also really natural, craving this like safety and comfort. And if we're not addressing emotions that are in our body, then it might be turning to food for that. And it might be, might be using food for comfort, which there's no problem with, but we also need to be, I guess, allowing our body to, to feel and respond to the emotions in another way. Oh my goodness, so many different emotions, as you're saying, and this idea of food for comfort. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And maybe also let us know why is our relationship with food so complicated and so emotional then? Food is an important coping tool for us, really. It's it's one of the, the things that provides us pleasure, provides us safety, provides us comfort. And that's really important that it does so, because if it didn't, we wouldn't be so driven to, to get one of our most basic needs. Today, we often have so many different emotions from so many different places. We might be feeling quite stressed and anxious from all these different places. And these show up as sensations inside our body. But when we're not quite attuned to them, or we don't have the tools to to cope with all these really complex emotions, our body seeks to find comfort quickly. But if we're then using it for these kind of more longer term emotions or emotions that are really linked to other things in our life, it's likely that that's going to be quite short lived. So it's likely that we're still going to be feeling these uncomfortable emotions afterwards and food is probably not serving that place for us. And then on top of that, because food has all these mixed and shaming messages in our society, we can then feel guilt or shame and worried about the food that we've eaten as well. And this just leads to further uncomfortable emotions. Often people might describe it as emotional eating or sometimes binge eating when we're using food in this way to comfort. I guess the messages we're given is that we should stop using food, we should push it away, we should restrict it. But actually, the restriction is what usually makes this worse. It's oh, what wow. usually makes the emotional eating, the binge eating, the, the draw towards food even more extreme. Whereas when we take food away, like we take the blame away from food and we recognize it just as a coping tool to get us through, we then allow ourselves to explore what's really going on. And we can explore other coping tools. We can explore what our body's actually asking for and what we need. Mm, the joy of food really comes from appreciating the food for what it is. If we then start putting specific labels around it, then I guess that's where we go and get into a trouble. And I and, and yes, I've experienced it many, many times that under stress, under the pressure, you quickly grab something and then you feel guilty about it. And then instead of stopping thinking about what do I need in this specific moment, how I can cope with the difficult stress, you just, okay, give me some food, give me some to eat give me a drink and then oh no I should have not have done that in order to find more joy in food and in order for us to be happier in our relationship with food one of the tools is intuitive eating can you tell us what that is exactly intuitive eating in itself is really just when we use our innate cues to guide our eating so it's actually our natural way of eating when we trust our body and when this trust that that we're born with hasn't been taken away from us. So naturally our body's communication through these sensations inside our body will be our number one guide. And these outside messages and outside knowledge can support us, but not control us. 
But in this world, we're we're often made to distrust the the messages that our body sends us. So we're given all of these mixed messages around food. We're told how much to eat. We're told what to eat, what times to eat, and it can confuse us. And then we might start to not trust and maybe not even feel our body's sensations. The intuitive eating framework then is really just a tool to guide us back to eating intuitively. For example, the women I work with have often been dieting for many years. They've been relying on these like external food rules to guide their eating. They're feeling unsatisfied in their eating experience and just with how their bodies feel as well. When we work together, we work to remove the guilt and shame around food and their body. We make behavioral changes from a self-care perspective rather than it coming from self-control. And to just redevelop this trust and connection with their bodies. So rather than telling them what to eat, we would use cognitive behavioral techniques to to rewire their thoughts and their beliefs around food and really separate out the ones that are supportive for them and separate that from the ones that aren't supportive for them. And then we use mindfulness techniques to reconnect with the body So that when we get rid of all of these unhelpful thoughts and beliefs around food, we then learn how to also tune back into our body and use that to be our number one guide. Great. So it's coming back to basics through parenting, through schooling, through society, through media. We almost lost the simple basic of I'm hungry. I need to look after my body. Here it is, I'm eating something. Can you give us a few examples of those like unhelpful beliefs that we have around food and maybe a few helpful beliefs that we could be cultivating when it comes to food? I think a really common one can be like, I should only be eating X number of calories a day. But everyone's body's different. So firstly, everyone's body needs different amounts of, of energy or calories each day. But also day to day, our energy needs can vary so much. If we're using these kind of rules like x calories per day some days we might feel all right other days we might be feeling ravenous <laughs> and then we're going to feel bad about ourselves thinking why am I doing this um, or why is my body needing more than it should be needing and that can lead to the guilt and shame so from an intuitive eating perspective we we don't count calories we get rid of all of that and instead we tune into our body at the time so we can listen to to our hunger how hungry am I at the moment what kind of food will satisfy me we can tune in while we're eating and notice when our body starts to feel that sense of satisfaction and that can guide us to stop eating another example might be these food pick a food so maybe cake is bad I should never be eating cake When we think of food as as something bad or something like unhealthy, it puts this food up on this like pedestal of like, oh, but I really like that food, but I'm not allowed to eat it because it's bad for me. And we can really start to feel anxious or stressed at like what that food will do to our body. When we do come across that food, especially something like cake, just say we're at a party and there's cake there. And that's something that we're trying to avoid and we think is bad, but then we're always wanting how much of our headspace is actually taken up by stressing about this cake or how much I'm going to eat of this cake or is someone going to serve it to me and like, oh, I shouldn't eat it. And then when we do eat it, because probably we're going to it at some time, when we do eat it, we can end up eating it until an uncomfortable level. So rather Mm -hmm. than, than recognizing like, okay, I'm satisfied with this, I can eat it again whenever I want, we end up eating it to the extreme because when 
when we think we're not allowed it again, of course we're going to keep eating it until it's all gone or go back for seconds, <laughs> even if that doesn't feel good. And then we usually do so with a sense of like guilt and shame. And this can just trigger a lot of a lot of uncomfortable emotions. It can take our headspace away from other areas. We might dwell on it for the rest of the day or try to restrict food later when really we could have just acknowledged that it's it's yummy, it's a part of the, the celebration that we've got or we really felt like it or um, eat it until a comfortable level knowing that it's there when we want it another time and then we can move on with our day. Fantastic, Emma. <laughs> Such a common example is the calories. Yeah, recently I was buying a cake somewhere and it was calories written on it and I was just <sighs> like, no! But I guess you're right. We have this uh, idea around calories, how much calories we should be eating or should not be eating. Then we have this idea of categorizing different foods, whether it's good or bad. And then, of course, having different feelings around that, Um, which are not sometimes, as you said, not very helpful. We are at the celebration party and we're actually thinking about the cake rather than actually celebrating beautiful moments with our friends and family. It seems to me that intuitive eating and the joy of food is really based on, first of all, listening to our body and really thinking, what do I need in this moment right now? Not having prescribed shoots in terms of the amount, in terms of types of food, just really thinking what will satisfy my specific craving right now. I like the fact that you're speaking about the mindset aspects. So what are we believing about food? Is it in good books? Is it in bad books? And finally, being very mindful when we are enjoying the food. So really getting that joy of food and not not going into those emotional frustrations that really stem from our mindset. It's very, very holistic approach of thinking about food. How does this relate to like nutritional advice? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And that comes back to, although our body is our number one guide to guide our eating, we can still use our knowledge and outside messages about food to support us. So this should always be in a supportive way, not in a way that we create shame or guilt over food. For example, if someone has an allergy, of course, that's something that they should be avoiding all the time. That's not something that should be really questioned or see if you feel like it. So that can be outside knowledge that they have. We can still do that with a sense of of self-care, though. It's not that there's any moral failure to eating that food. It's not morally bad to have that food but it's probably going to make you really sick. And in some cases, it it could be really dangerous. We're choosing not to eat that food, not because it's morally bad to, to not eat it, but because that's what supports our body. In other situations with, with other health conditions, it, it might be, I think diabetes is a really common one. Instead of having these like rules around food, and actually what we find is that binge eating disorder is a lot more common in those with diabetes because they do have all these really strict rules around Foods, so don't eat foods with sugar in, don't eat like high carb foods or whatever the rules are. But we can come from a place of, of self-care. So these foods are allowed. There's Again, there's nothing morally wrong with that. But perhaps my body needs a little bit more support in balancing out its blood sugars, getting curious with how our body responds to different foods to, to learn the foods that, that best support us. Because our body is designed to want to feel good so if food isn't making us feel good we're probably not going to to want to 
as much or we're going to be able to use that rational mind to say hey like even though I want it I know like last time it made me feel like this and that's not how I want to feel right now so it's not coming from control but it's coming from a supportive place and this can even be the case if we don't have any medical conditions it might be that oh I know that like having some vegetables with my meal makes me feel better so even though I'm really hungry not craving vegetables right now I'm just going to add some on the side because that's just using these kind of outside knowledge that we have to support us. Wow. No, and I just love that how we elevated joy of food and generally food to that very moral choice yeah. sometimes. As, yeah. And that's why there are so many strong emotions because, yeah. oh my goodness, am I a horrible human being because I'm just craving this or I'm eating something mm-hmm. that is being categorized as unhealthy. As you mentioning, the body really is our guide. And it's just really listening of what we need. What are the practical steps that you would advise our listeners to take to reestablish that connection with body? Yeah. So if we are feeling disconnected from our body, the first thing I would recommend is to to befriend your body. So stop thinking of your body as something that you're fighting against. And start working on the same team as it. When we feel like really uncomfortable sensations, maybe we feel really, really full from food, getting curious about the sensation, getting curious about why we're feeling it, getting curious about what led to that eating experience, if that's what happened and thinking of the sensations as communication from our body. What would we say if a friend was trying to tell us something and we didn't quite understand? We probably wouldn't shout at them and tell them that they're they're a bad person. (laughs) So getting on the same team as our body. And then eating when we're hungry. So it's really, really common that people think, oh, I should wait until I'm hungrier to eat than what I am now. I should wait until I'm starving because otherwise I'm going to eat too much. But if we wait until we're absolutely starving, we're going to be at this really extreme end of hunger where our body is is desperate to get energy as fast as possible. So we're going to start craving high calorie foods. We're going to start feeling out of control. We're probably going to eat to a place that we feel really uncomfortable and more likely to eat a lot more than what our body actually needed at that time. Whereas if we eat when we're in the milder stages of hunger, that's when we can tune into what food feels good, have more variety in our food, to enjoy our food more because we're not so ravenous when we're eating it and to eat in amounts that are comfortable for us. And then as we spoke about before, aiming for that satisfaction. So choosing what we really feel like rather than what we should. And we're allowed to use some outside food knowledge when we do this, like in that example I gave before, like I know that having some vegetables with my meal feels good. So I'm going to add that in with all of this other food that makes me really, really satisfied making sure we're we're aiming for for satisfaction as that number one and also just tuning into like how our body feels when we're eating it am I satisfied from this meal satisfaction doesn't actually just come from the taste of foods or having these like really hearty foods that can be really important but sometimes if we don't have that balance or that variety we can actually feel really unsatisfied as well because although we had like the taste that we maybe wanted we didn't get that variety that our body really needed but for for listeners who do want extra support as well. I have a free ebook and video on my website, which has five steps and it guides them through in like a 20 minute video and an extra ebook as well, just to work through in a bit more detail. 
Oh, that's great. Now, definitely, I will mm -hmm. put that into episode notes so everyone can access that. No, that's fantastic, Emma. Thank you so much. My final question, which I ask majority of my guests because it is about happiness. So I would like to know what makes you happy? For me, happiness... I think it just really comes from having the headspace to be engaged in and present during experiences. So whether that's like big experiences, like I'm going off traveling or going away for the weekend, or whether it's just really small things like meeting a friend for a coffee, these experiences, none of them will actually bring me joy or not as much joy as they can if I'm not actually feeling truly present in that moment. So having the headspace for these experiences comes from, comes from having like my self-care and my basic needs met. So from food is one really important way. So when we're eating intuitively, <laughs> we're getting the basic need of food mitts, so we have more headspace, but also from other things like getting the movement that my body needs, also getting the rest and relaxation my body needs, everyday self-care. So when my body's equipped with, with all of the basics, then I can actually enjoy the more rewarding parts of life. Brilliant. Thank you, Emma, so much. That was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to have a look at my relationship with food. I actually come from a Polish family who loves food, but that also means there's always too much food. So, you know, there are those moments when you have to say, no, 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 I'm not going to eat more. That's it. I think I can recognize lots of various aspects that you were saying that are very much relatable to my relationship with food. So thank you so much and all the best. Oh, thank you, Claudia. Thanks for all of the interesting questions as well. Thank you, Emma, so much for sharing with us all those amazing insights. And dear listeners, oh my God, for me personally, that was a really powerful episode. Two things that I took straight away from the conversation with Emma were the following. First of all, I started to really tune in into my body sensations that is trying to recognize when I'm hungry. I mean, I know this seems very simple, but I realize that I snack quite a lot, even if I'm not hungry. So actually trying to recognize those hunger moments and snacking then was a quite big deal for me. And a second very useful tip that I took away from conversation with Emma was stop categorizing that foods into good and bad foods. That is, yes, from a factual point of view, some foods are high in sugars, in fats, in calories. Yes, but that's a fact. I was, instead of thinking, no, I shouldn't eat this because it's bad for me, I started to ask myself, okay, I can eat anything I want, but what would I like to eat that will really nourish my body in this specific moment in time? And to my surprise, thinking about nourishments of the body rather than cravings really helped me to make much more wiser choices. So I really do hope that you take some of those practical tips on board as well to really rediscover that great joy of food that impacts our happiness. As always, I dare you to be happy and hoping to see you at the next episode, Kids and Happiness. Oh yes, a big topic of how can we contribute to raising happy future generation. See you then. Bye.